Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When Diplomacy Fails presents The July Crisis Anniversary Project A day-by-day account of the events that occurred 100 years ago Grey Areas Today is the 27th of July 2014 and on this day in history 100 years ago, occurred the following events. When Germany's Chancellor, Theobald von Bethmann-Hallweg, arrived in Berlin on Saturday night, the 25th of July, he was brought as far up to speed as possible by the overwhelmed German Foreign Office. Serbia and Austria were mobilising, that much was known, and Russia was rumoured to be undertaking measures of her own, surely to strike against Austria if it attacked Serbia. It could not be known for sure if Russia as of yet was merely mobilising for show, as she had done before during the Balkan Wars, or if this time the intent was genuine to attack the Habsburgs. French and British signs were unsure at best, so long as the former statesman remained at sea and the latter statesman remained focused on Ireland. To Bethman though, two things were clear. The first was that the German hope for a localised war between Austria and Serbia appeared unlikely, and the second was that he could not inform Kaiser Wilhelm in full detail of what was going on, since he didn't want to play upon his infamous nerves and scare his emperor into a pacific policy. Although varying reports had come in, one in particular about a German attaché being told by his Russian friend that he had to leave to attend the mobilisation being a notable example, Bethmann ensured that when these reports reached Wilhelm, they were accompanied by counter-statements, such as claims that the Russians were visibly hesitating, though without providing any proof of this, and protesting that there was no need for the Kaiser to return from his cruise with the Baltic that had kept him occupied for the past three weeks. But Wilhelm was nothing if not determined to formulate his own picture of the situation, and he had already acquired a healthy distrust of Bethmann's style of information drip-feeding after the Kaiser received word of Austria's ultimatum and its delivery, not from his Chancellor, but from a news agency. As far as Wilhelm could see it, his own Chancellor was unwilling to furnish him with relevant current affairs updates. In response to this news of Austrian action, as approved by Germany's Emperor weeks before as he had left for the Baltic, Wilhelm believed it was time to return home with his fleet. 
when Bethman, in a telegram to him, ventured most humbly to advise that your majesty order no premature return of the fleet. Wilhelm flew into a rage and responded with characteristic anger. Unbelievable assumption! Unheard of! It never entered my mind! The return of the fleet to Kiel was done on the report of my minister about the mobilisation at Belgrade. This may cause the mobilisation of Russia, will cause the mobilisation of Austria. In this case, I shall keep my fighting forces by land and sea collected. In the Baltic there is not a single ship. Moreover, I am not accustomed to take military measures on the strength of one telegram, but on that of the general situation and that situation that the civilian chancellor does not yet grasp. Wilhelm was incredulous at his chancellor's clear attempts to keep him in the dark and play down the gravity of the situation. Though often accused of drama, in this case Wilhelm's suspicions were very true. Bethman desperately wanted his erratic sovereign away from events, where he could shape their outcome and frustrate the planned-upon policy. Wilhelm reminded him that, there exists a Russian fleet. In the Baltic now in exercises, there are five Russian torpedo bloat flotillas, all or part of which could in 16 hours be in position to cut naval communications. My fleet has orders to proceed to Kiel, and to Kiel it shall go. Bethman responded to this by desperately trying to summarise the day's events into a seemingly positive picture for his sovereign. Bethman noted Austria would not declare war until the 12th of August, that Serbia had offered a conciliatory reply to the ultimatum, that England and France desired peace, and most notably that Russia, on the latest report, seems not yet to be mobilising and to be willing for negotiations with Vienna. No one could call Bethman a liar based on these claims, many of which had been backed up by Bethman's flimsy access to foreign evidence and his own misinformed state after having been away from his post for so long, but the info he had received could conversely be used to paint a negative picture, and that was the one Wilhelm was seeing. When Wilhelm met Bethman in person at 1pm, this day 100 years ago, at the Berlin station, one of Wilhelm's confidants records that Bethman appeared pale and wrecked, as Wilhelm asked, How did it happen? Wilhelm's confidant recorded that Bethman, utterly cowed, admitted that he had been deceived and offered the Kaiser his resignation. To which Wilhelm replied fantastically, You've cooked this broth, and now you're going to eat it! Though Wilhelm was hardly blameless for the sequence of events that had led to this moment, in fact leaving for his cruise hours after approving whatever action Vienna decided to take in the blank check position, he was likely more angry at Bethman trying to keep him in the dark than how the situation had actually transpired. As far as Wilhelm was concerned, working from the information he and his Chancellor knew, war was by no means inevitable and could still be prevented. But the foundations he had set in place, and approved to be laid in the first place, had played a large part in leading to this state of affairs. For example, when the German ambassador to France had advised Vienna might alter its ultimatum terms to appeal to the European goodwill, Wilhelm had scribbled in the margin, Ultimata are either accepted or they are not. There is no discussion. That is why they have the name. Meeting at 3pm with Malka, the Chief of Staff, Yagov, the Secretary of State, the Chief of the Naval Cabinet, and Bethman, Germany's VIPs appeared as though they were trying to formulate a response to the current events, to develop a foreign policy that was united and sensible. But events soon proved that Germany's statesmen had little inkling of the gravity of the situation. 
Austro-Serb mobilizations, Russian mobilizations, and the mediation proposals of Sir Edward Grey, the British Foreign Secretary, were all important items on the agenda, but Bethman failed to properly address them. What's even worse, the Chancellor painted a completely different picture of current events than was accurate. With regard to the Russians, for example, Bethman either hadn't read or hadn't considered the report sent on Sunday night, which had explained the latest position of the Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Sazonov. Friedrich Portelay, the German ambassador to Russia, had met with the Russian twice on the day before, first in the morning, when the two seemed to enjoy an amicable conversation about the need to pull back from war, then in the evening, when Portelay confronted Sazonov about rumours of Russian mobilisation. Bethman thus far had only read the report about the morning meeting, and thus believed that all was well and rosy, and that Sazonov was even losing his nerve when it came to a strong response. Bethman also seized on a report from the German ambassador to France, in which the German claimed that the French Prime Minister, René Viviani, was seeking to moderate Russian actions. Bethman emphasised this at the meeting, almost failing to mention the fact that the French Prime Minister remained at sea, and thus could hardly have had a very considerable effect on Russian actions, especially if those Russian actions were already mostly underway. Bethman also pointed to the ultimatum and the Serbian conciliatory response to Austrian demands, which the Chancellor upheld could be used to persuade everyone back from war and make mediation easier. Revealingly, Bethman was not the only German statesman who thought he had more time. Maltke had written to his wife before attending the meeting that, The situation continues to be extremely obscure. It will be about a fortnight before anything definite can be decided. Nothing raised at the meeting that day, it seems, shocked anyone present into making any significant action, or roused them to pop the bubble that they seemed so content to live in. The Kaiser's adjutant recorded that, The Austrians are not nearly ready. It will be the beginning of August before operations can begin. It is hoped to localise the war. England declares the means to remain neutral. I have the impression that it will all blow over. Admiral Muller then, the chief of the German naval cabinet, also at the meeting, noted, The tenor of our policy is to remain calm, to allow Russia to put herself in the wrong, but to not shrink back from war if it were inevitable. The mood emanating out of the meeting was clear. Germany, alongside its Kaiser, would wait and see. It is astonishing that Germany should be so in the dark about the situation. As Germany's VIPs sat in their inconclusive meeting, Britain was concentrating its fleet, Russia was furthering its mobilisation and mining the necessary rivers, and, most notably of all, Germany's ambassador to Austria had sent a report to Berlin just as the 3pm meeting was winding down, in which he provided the monumental news. In order to cut the ground out from any attempted intervention, Austria would make an official declaration of war on Serbia tomorrow, or, at the latest, the day after tomorrow. Austria-Hungary, contrary to the report sent out before by both that same German ambassador to Austria and Austria's ambassador to Germany, the Habsburgs were no longer going to wait until the 12th of August anymore. The Germans thus didn't have a fortnight to decide what to do. They now had roughly 24 hours. One might wonder how Germany's Chancellor had become so incredibly erroneous with his judgments, and why he seemed so unable to grasp the reality of the situation. 
Bethman was trying to keep Wilhelm away from events and from important dispatches because he feared that his sovereign would impose himself on the process and ruin the German plans, which were, in Bethman's mind, to get a localised war between Austria and Serbia alone, without any other intervention of foreign powers. In particular, the Serbian reply to the ultimatum, which would soon be poured over by European statesmen within a few hours, had neither been read by Bethman himself nor presented at the meeting that day. Wilhelm wouldn't read it until the next day, but would be inspired by it to propose mediation, because the Kaiser would feel that it satisfied Austrian demands to such an extent. Perhaps Bethman feared that if word of the reply's conciliatory nature got out, then attempts would be made to approach mediation with Austria and Serbia based on the belief that, with simple tweaking and give and take, everyone could go home happy. However, Bethman and Yagov, often working together, would have had no reason to keep Germany's military minds in the dark. Men like Maltke, who required up-to-date readings on the situation for security's sake. It has thus been proposed that Bethman may have been simply overwhelmed by the correspondence of the previous days to the extent that he was a few hours or even days behind what was actually being reported by his agents across Europe. This simple but plausible explanation gathers momentum when one learns that Bethman hadn't read all the weekend's reports by the time he greeted the Kaiser at 1pm today, and certainly hadn't read the remainder of Monday's reports by the time of the following meeting. Paradoxically, it was because Wilhelm wanted to be appraised of events immediately after he returned from Kiel that Bethmann missed the opportunity to gain info about Monday's key events, namely the extent of Russia's mobilisation to that point, Britain's suggestive naval manoeuvres, and Austria's decision to make war on Serbia the following day. The grey areas of what was really going on were filled in by what Bethmann thought he knew and by the fact that over the previous days he had acquired information that had given him no reason to raise the alarm yet. In London's Foreign Office, Foreign Secretary Sir Edward Grey was finishing reading Serbia's reply to Austria that had been delivered the day before. Grey believed that the Serb reply met Austrian demands to a degree which he would never have thought possible, and he thus began to simmer with anger over the fact that Austria... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We had removed its diplomatic alumni from Belgrade since it suggested that Vienna was about to make war against Serbia for no good reason. Gray now became more definite in his speech, and when Lichnowski, the German ambassador to Britain, met him in a bad temper that afternoon, he knew he was in for an unpleasant experience. Heaving the responsibility on Germany, who Gray perceived was failing to rein their ally in, the Brit emphasised to Lichnowski that The key to the situation is Berlin, and if Berlin seriously wants peace, Austria can be restrained from pursuing a foolhardy policy. Gray wanted the Germans to begin mediation on the basis of the Serb reply. If Serbia had given in already, could Vienna not be persuaded by her ally to give also in the name of peace? If not, Gray warned, and an Austrian passage of arms into Serbia came to pass, then Gray would ensure that Germany was held responsible and Britain would stand against her. Shocked at this stance, Lichnowski frantically reported back to Berlin that If war comes in these conditions, we shall have England against us. This was Bethman's nightmare, the war against the Triple Entente, which would be impossible to win. A localised war between Serbia and Austria would ensue, or a war between the Franco-Russian Entente and the Central Powers would come to pass. The former was preferable, but the latter could be fought if required, and may give Germany the chance to break the Ring of Encirclement, that its military minds perceived around her. But the war of the Triple Alliance against the Triple Entente would be a world war, and furthermore Italy would never fight Britain, meaning that Austria and Germany would be left alone, and they would never be able to defeat the combined powers of all four states. Germany would be destroyed. And this was why Bethmann had made Anglo-German rapprochement so central to his policy of the previous years. Yet here was Grey threatening him with the nightmare he had spent his career trying to avoid. Bethren remained convinced that it was Russian actions that would force the issue. If they moved against Austria, then Germany would have to respond, and this would in turn widen the conflict to France, and perhaps now Britain. It was Russia, he told his private secretary, on which the peace of Europe solely depends. Adding that, Only compelled by dire necessity will we unleash the sword, but then with the clear conscience that we bear no guilt for the nameless misfortune which war must bring to Europe's peoples. Bethman had at least partly convinced himself, but his declaration would not have come had he not had doubts in the first place. Indeed, Grey was right in a way to point to Berlin. Though Russia mobilised, and France made no effort to stop her, it would be Germany's ally that would declare the war, and Germany could, if she wanted, stop her. Austria had only gone this far, Bethmann understood, as did Habsburg statesmen also, because of German approval, from the blank check to the notifying of the German ambassador to Austria of Vienna's intentions the next day. 
So Bethman was caught in a quandary. If he called off Austria now, then his ally would be chastened. And the very policy, his very policy, of a fait accompli, that is, acting quickly, and wrapping the whole war up as fast as possible, would be cancelled. But if he allowed Austria to go ahead, then Britain would not guarantee its neutrality any longer. And certainly would blame Berlin above all for the ensuing calamity. Bethmann then chose option C. He elected to throw his, albeit reluctant, weight behind the peace proposal Grey had put forward, whereby, on the basis of the Serb reply, negotiations could make progress. Bethmann thus sent a telegram to Germany's ambassador to Austria, informing him that It is impossible for us to reject this English proposal. By a rejection of all mediatory action, we should be held responsible for the conflagration by the whole world and be represented as the real warmongers. Germany's position, Bethmann explained, was all the more difficult as Serbia had yielded so much. We cannot therefore reject the role of mediator and must submit the English proposal to the Vienna cabinet consideration. Though Bethmann did not mention the impending war between Austria and Serbia, his telegram did seek to avoid the issue of offending Vienna, by explaining apologetically that the entire motivation came from British efforts. However, just in case Vienna believed that Bethmann wanted Austria to accept the proposals, he adopted a cynical tone with Austrian ambassador Zogeny when he stated that the German government tenders the most binding assurances that it in no way associates itself with the proposals, is even decidedly against their being considered, and only passes them on to conform to the English request. Bethmann was, in other words, maintaining the appearance of complying with Gray's proposals for mediation, but in reality was disingenuous about wanting the mediation at all. The reason for this attempted manipulation of Britain was because, as Yagov explained to Zogeny, it is of the greatest importance that England, in the present moment, should not make common cause with Russia or France. Bethmann's cynical style of passing on mediation proposals that may have worked had Germany set its mind to it has been heavily criticised by historians, and as to the German war guilt argument that the Germans should and could have done more to prevent the war. However, the only war Bethmann expected at this stage was that of between Serbia and Austria, and between the alliance blocs only if Russian rumours were true and St. Petersburg intervened. The very purpose of apparently complying with Grey was to pacify the foreign secretary and hopefully persuade him that Germany had done what it could, while still getting the localised war that it wanted. As historians have tirelessly pointed out though, a determined campaign against Vienna would have caused the latter to pull back from its course. Certainly there would have been casualties, not least the very alliance bloc that tied Germany and Austria together. But if Berlin was seen to act as Grey wanted, perhaps the British tone would make up for the rupture. Certainly, it would have been approved by Konrad von Hotzendorf, the Habsburg Chief of Staff, who was horrified at the Foreign Minister, Leopold von Berchtold's, insistence on making war as soon as possible. The latest senseless deviation in policy, emanating out of Vienna, that instead of delaying war until the 12th of August, Austria would make war now, was almost solely a policy of Berchtold's making. His resignation would almost certainly have been tendered in the event that Austria was pressured to relent. So too would Bethmann have to resign. 
since the fait accompli that Berchtold believed he was following was the brainchild of him and other statesmen in Berlin. Bethmann had, of course, offered his resignation to Wilhelm already when he had met the latter in person as he returned from his Baltic cruise, but instead of taking this route again, the Chancellor instead took Wilhelm's other advice. He would eat the broth he had made, after all. For all of Bethmann's blundering and ignorance of facts, though, perhaps no other leading statesman was more in the dark on Monday the 27th of July, 1914, than Sir Edward Grey. Grey was leading Britain's foreign policy towards a course that was supported by old facts and would have been discredited had Grey taken the time to investigate foreign reports in more detail. We often take it for granted that Britain demanded Germany mediate for its ally. But if Britain was really neutral, then why did it not pressure France to mediate Russia with the same vigour, or accompanied this demand with the same threats? Just imagine the force of the news in Paris. If France was told that if it didn't pressure Russia to stop mobilising and seize its plans for military action, then Britain would stand on Germany and Austria's side. France and Russia had both rejected in strong terms Grey's previous proposals of mediation, yet Grey only sent threatening letters to Germany when Germany had originally agreed with the plans for mediation, and only when the mediation plan was changed to a solely German effort, and before that, a four-power idea that would place Germany at a disadvantage, did Berlin hesitate. Grey had also placed the undisputed responsibility for whatever occurred at Berlin's feet. Grey had even confirmed to Lichnowsky the previous day that no Russian call-up of reserves had taken place. How was the foreign minister so incredibly in the dark about Russia, and why was he seeking to place the fault at Bethman's feet? Grey had obviously taken Russia's denials of what it was really doing at face value. He had believed the reports from his ambassador to Russia that mobilisation was not underway. Indeed, this ambassador, Sir George Buchanan, seemed as willing as Grey was to accept the Russian lies. Despite mounting evidence to the contrary, Buchanan reported to London that, although St. Petersburg and Moscow had been placed in a state of extraordinary protective activity, this was ostensibly in view of strikes. This was reported by Buchanan on Sunday night. By Monday night, even while reports of Russian activities were flooding Vienna and Berlin, the British ambassador mentioned not even a word about the Russian efforts to mobilise their country for war. Small wonder that Britain's foreign minister acted against Germany. He was operating on evidence that suggested no Russian activities, and that the only source of provocation was an unrestrained Austria that threatened the European peace. In reality though, and as we now know, because of the grey areas in which its statesmen operated, Britain was putting pressure on Germany alone, while absolving Russia of the substantial contribution it had already made towards escalating the situation. What can we learn about European statesmen on the last day of European peace? For one, it is clear that without the relevant information, Europe's states in 1914 fumbled in the dark as they in vain tried to impress their interpretation of events on another. Germany's Chancellor had ensured that his Kaiser remained unawares of major events by his control over what filtered down to him and as a result of his holiday beforehand, he was days behind the reports that had been released over the weekend. Wilhelm, for his part, would not even read the Serbian reply to Austria's ultimatum until the next day, 
when Vienna was on the verge of declaring war. His last-ditch efforts to preserve peace display an almost tragic example of what happens to the peacemakers when events and facts leave them behind. France's pacifist Prime Minister was still travelling down the Baltic, and thus could have made no efforts to restrain Russia, though he certainly would have tried, as is demonstrated by his sending of a message on the morning of the 27th to the French ambassador to Russia, Paleolog, in which he affirmed his support of Russia in the current crisis, in the interests of general peace. Had he known the extent of Russia's pre-war planning and the status of its mobilisation procedures, he may have been horrified enough to offer his resignation. Sir Edward Grey, meanwhile, was two days behind the reports of current events, mostly because he felt he was up to date and because he seemed unable or unwilling to properly investigate both sides of the story. Grey's failure to pursue the German concerns of Russian actions painted Britain again in an anti-German light. A central point is that the statesmen of Europe were not on the same page. Each had their own interpretations of current events, and some had not even been made aware of current events at all, to the extent that when Europe awoke on the next day to news that Austria had declared war on Serbia, all greeted the information differently. Some statesmen were offended, others were astonished, others still were sceptical, but the majority were paralysed by confusion, after being content to endure for so long the falsifications and rumours that the grey areas of their respective foreign policies had, tragically, created. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 